Hey there, and welcome back to Developing Developers. We are knee-deep in our Digging Deeper series and have made it through two of the more foundational aspects of development, which are site selection and due diligence. Those first two episodes in the series have set us up for what we are talking about today, which is the building design process. This is where a development project really starts to come to life. I'd like to introduce Ryan Geyser, an architect with Design Collective, who our team has had the privilege of working with on multiple projects. I'm excited to learn more about the building design process because I have seen that it is more than just a drawing that you throw on a piece of paper over a piece of land. It takes some talent to be able to visualize a plan and really make it a reality. So with that said, we can go ahead and get started. Thanks for taking the time to be here, Ryan. Thanks for having me, Allie. Of course. So um, I want to know what initially spiked your interest in architecture and what has been your career experience up until this point? All right. So uh, it began when I was pretty young and um, really had two things I always wanted to do was either be a pilot or become an architect. And I finally decided, well, I could probably do both. I become an architect. I can also become a pilot. So I've actually had the opportunity to begin that process and have about 12 hours of flight time. So looking forward to continue moving that forward. But um, otherwise, you know, um, I've I've been an architect now for uh, over 20 years. I've been in the industry for over 20 years. Um, Graduated from Kent State University. I got my master's uh, in architecture in 2003. Um, at that time, the industry was a little bit slow. Mm-hmm. And so I had an opportunity to join on with a 3D imaging company and um, worked with them for about six months before the kind of thing started picking back up. And I was able to kind of join the architectural side of that firm uh, at that time again. And I'm um, just kind of been been doing that ever since. So I've been work, uh, working at a few different places since then. And like you said, now I'm with Design Collective and really enjoying uh, the role with that team. That's really awesome. I didn't know that uh, that was your background. And I, uh, you just get the best of both worlds there. Yeah, That's, absolutely. Takes dedication. <laughs> That's great. So within the development process, I want to learn more about the design process because I am probably least familiar with that. And I think it's very exciting because it's just when it starts to come become a reality and starts to come to life. So when is it quote unquote safe to start the building design process? Um, and what is your role once that process begins? Well, I think safe is a relative term in a developer's <laughs> eye. But, uh, you know, uh, I think on the architectural side, we, we really prefer to be brought in as early as possible um, so that we can help start providing input uh, into the process. Um, sometimes we've, we have projects that come to us and they're a little bit further down the road. And if we had been involved a little bit sooner, uh, we may have been able to help kind of add a little bit more value to the project and maybe steer it in a, a direction that might really benefit everybody in the end mm-hmm. um, a, a little bit better. Yeah, that absolutely makes sense. And I think um, this is almost still kind of part of the due diligence process because you're still doing that uh, site work and evaluating your site while you're trying to um, design a building. And I think at any point in the building design process, I don't know if you've experienced this, but a developer could say this just isn't going to work with what we had planned and has to back out or completely change up um, their plan and kind of start from scratch. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we're working on a project right now with a developer where he's in his due diligence period and he's starting to find out that he can't get what he thought he could fit on the land um, 
currently, and that doesn't work for his portforma. So he may end up backing out of the deal at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, now we've been able to kind of put some preliminary sketches together for him on that. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it is important to just start early. So let's break down the building design process step by step. And what are some things developers need to know before even beginning that process? Yeah, so uh, the design process is kind of really broken down into four categories. You have the schematic design, design development, construction drawings, uh, and then you have the construction observation phase. So in the beginning, your schematic design, you're kind of just going through, kind of getting the big picture pulled together. What's the building going to kind of start to look like? How big is it? How tall is it going to be? And kind of start vetting through some of the high-level code-related items, making sure that what you're trying to do can be built. Um, Then once you kind of get through that, um, you kind of start into the design development process, which is taking that schematic design, refining it a little bit further, taking it to the next step, um, and just continuing the design. And then um, at the end of that, the the building's typically pretty well worked out. Um, And then that's when you can start the construction drawings our documents. And, um, you know, that's when we put together the full set of drawings that tell the contractors what to do and then the the permit authorities, how you're going to be doing it to make sure that it meets code. Um, And then once that's all approved, then you get into the construction uh, observation phase and um, just helping the owner make sure that what is being built on site is what the owner was expecting to have. And then also that it's being done correctly per the drawings. So in that process, is that something that a developer comes to you with an idea of what they want and you guys take that and make it work? Or is that something that you guys draw up for them to begin or who kind of who starts that process? It depends on the project. Uh, We've had clients who know exactly what they want and say, I want X, Y, and Z on this parcel. How can we make it work? And we've had other clients that say, You know, I was thinking about doing an Italian restaurant. (laughs) What do you think? (laughs) You know, and and so, you know, just kind of like helping with the whole process from there. So um, it really just kind of depends on the client, how savvy they are, how many times they've done it before and how much help they need uh, through the process. Yeah. Yeah. That totally makes sense. So specifically with industrial, I'm going to use that because I'm familiar. Could you take me through if a developer came to you and said, we want an industrial building, let's say it's spec, what are some of the items that they need to know about that building in order for you to take that and design it? Yeah, so really the big part that kind of starts there is um, what's the site look like um, and providing maybe uh, some sort of site plan. We've worked with uh, several developers where they may just have um, some paper copies of something and we're able to try to scale those up and then help them kind of start saying, okay, well, here's the kind of sizes of buildings you might be able to fit. Um, so uh, size and um, desired size would probably be the, the first thing is what what the goal is um, that they're trying to fit onto the property. Uh, from there, it, we would start getting into um, how tall does the building need to be? What kind of use are they targeting? Um, is it going to be smaller tenants where maybe the clear height isn't as important versus maybe geared towards maybe more of a manufacturing facility where having extra clear height might help them with the manufacturing side or just bulk storage uh, in a warehouse, uh, maximizing that floor area. Um then um, potentially coming in and saying how many parking spaces are they looking to to accommodate 
Mm-hmm. Um, if there's a certain maybe tenant in the market that they're trying to gear this towards, um, sometimes they might do make certain decisions uh, for that than they would normally mm-hmm. on maybe a standard spec building. Right. Um, maybe start talking about um, a little bit of the orientation of the building on the site, if it's going to be a single-loaded building or a double-loaded building. When you say um, single-loaded and double-loaded. So having docks maybe just on one side okay. um, versus gotcha. having docks on both sides of the building and then focusing parking on kind of mm-hmm. the ends of it. Okay. Um, and, and then, yeah, how many dock doors are they looking to provide? Um, sometimes we'll maximize what they could fit. Sometimes it ends up saying, okay, well, most of those will be future and we're only going to install a certain percentage day one until we know exactly who's going to come in here and what their needs are, um, help eliminate some of that upfront cost. Um, the other thing could be is drive-in doors, um, trying to figure out how that might work with the building layout as well. Um, and then even sometimes getting into the smaller or some of the, the getting into things like power requirements or utility requirements for the f- facility. Again, if there is maybe a specific tenant that's out in the market, maybe it's a high water user, a high demand water user that they're trying to get. So maybe they have to upsize some of their water to the building um, so they don't have to do it later. I know we've mm-hmm. worked on a project together that they're going through now, upsizing the water line to meet a certain tenant's needs, mm-hmm. um, making sure there's enough power there for the potential tenants that they're looking to provide. But it's always that balancing act too. If it's a, on the speculative side, how much do you do up front versus maybe trying to do later on if you do land a, a specific tenant that has a very – specific requirements. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because you ultimately might have to go back and make changes anyway. So it's how right. do you save the most money if you're going to have to spend it later on the making ba- those The fine balancing act. Yep. yep, yep. There's, yeah, high risk there. But it's uh, that's why having an architect is important and starting early so that you can get that advice and start that process. Yeah, and I think yeah, like you said, like the architect involved, and then even maybe some of the brokers and seeing what they're mm-hmm. they're seeing in uh, in the needs in the current area of the region, and that could be specific to where you're at versus maybe another uh, region. So if, there, if someone's doing work in multiple areas, there could be a, a big uh, could be a different set of needs in one area versus um, in, in another geographical re- region where people just do things a little bit differently. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thank you for walking me through that sure. process. So what are the differences between industrial, retail, office, all of the different types of multifamily? How do you approach those building designs differently? Yeah, I've had the opportunity to work on a lot of different project types over the years. And, um, you know, really a lot, they're all pretty similar for the most part. Um, office and industrial are kind of go hand in hand. Um, the industrial buildings typically have an office component to them. So they're not too different there. Um, sometimes it's just depending on uh, what's more important. Is it the actual warehousing and manufacturing space or is it kind of the front end? Is it a headquarters and they they need to really show off what they're you know going to be doing in the facility? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, maybe when you get into restaurants, it's, uh, you know, maybe a little bit more guest experience um, uh, focused. And trying to make sure that the guest experience um, how the owner wants them to. And then also understanding how the kitchen flow works and how relationships there work. 
Um, obviously, the medical field has its own nuances as well mm-hmm. of um, certain requirements that have to be met and then um, different things like privacy and things like that that you have to start to consider. So a lot of them kind of go hand in hand, but they have kind of their, each of their own little intricacies that you kind of have to deal with. Yeah. Um, and I'm sure with that, too, you're trying to stay on their budget and their timeline, which is difficult when yeah. you are. That's that's always the, the fine line of trying to give an owner what they're expecting mm-hmm. um, uh, within their budget, especially in today's climate. It's beginning increasingly more challenging. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, you know, we just have to get uh, a little bit more creative in trying to find ways to provide um, the end result that the owners are looking for. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and so in this process, obviously you're in lots of communication with the owner and developer, project managers, and um, other people on their team. But who all do you interact with throughout the process, maybe outside of the developer's team? And what role do they play specifically in the building design? Yeah, so, you know, really through this whole process, the architect's kind of like a quarterback and helping mm-hmm. the owner really go through this process and coordinate a lot of people. So and it just depends on the project, but there can be a lot of different people that be in there. Like you said, you could have your owners or your owner's reps. Um, you might be dealing with the financial institutions um, for lending with the owner. Sometimes, mm-hmm. you know, there's uh, forms that have to be assigned by the architects to, to help close on the, the lending side of it. Um, you've got lawyers that you're dealing with on the front end for contract negotiations, uh, depending on whose contracts you're going to be using. Um, then you start getting into some of your design team where you could have your civil engineers uh, starting on the site work. Um, you know, different components of the design team would be in your interior designers, uh, your structural engineers, your MEP engineers, and then even uh, your specialty consultants. Uh, lighting, acoustics, maybe a pool or a green uh, like lead um, uh, accredited people, uh, furniture, uh, environmental grass, graphics, asbestos uh, surveys. Uh, it could be a lot of different people that you might be, start be working with there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you start dealing with the local authorities having jurisdiction. So going through getting your zoning approved, um, getting building permits, um, working through a health department, if it's a restaurant or dealing with food. Um, sometimes it's the fire departments or um, even places like Texas, you have accessibility reviews that you have to go through. Um, then after that, maybe maybe to help with those that process, you're working with permit expediters to help kind of work through certain uh, more difficult jurisdictions as well. Um, then maybe on, once you kind of start getting into the construction side, you'll be dealing more with the contractors. Mm-hmm. Sometimes maybe there are subcontractors depending on how the process runs. Um, you could be working with also product reps. Uh, you know, if you're starting to get into the carpet and carpeting diagrams and how flooring is going to start going down and all sorts of different things. So there's a lot of different players. I'm sure we're just touching the top of it right now. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, just the architect is really helping coordinate a lot of that um, day to day. So the owner doesn't have to do that, uh, on their side. Yeah. And I mean, with every podcast, I learn another role that's involved in the development process, which I didn't <laughs> know before. So, I mean, probably five of what you just named, named off. I was like, Oh, I didn't know that the architect was involved in communicating with them. Um, so one, that's awesome that you guys are so upfront and willing to help, um, the developer, figure out 
that stuff that could hold them back from moving forward with the process. And yeah, I, I, I mean, I'm like, does, does he keep a list of that? Like on a separate spreadsheet of, did I talk to this person, this person? Cause that's like so many people to remember. Yeah. And not every project has all that, these people involved, but, Mm -hmm. um, you know, just as you kind of start doing it long enough, you kind of start, okay, well, we need to pull this person in or just the complexity of a project. You might start having a lot more people versus something that's a little bit more straightforward might be Mm -hmm. a smaller team as well. Yeah. Well, thank you for, for that. I'm, I, guarantee that people listening (laughs) will have learned something just in that question. So, and then, so in this process, what are some common challenges that you face from the time a building is first designed to the point of construction? Because I know it's not always cut and dry. This is what we're doing. And then it works. Um, I know there's different permits and approvals and things that you have to get along the way. And then with a spec building specifically, uh, sometimes that could present challenges in in and of itself. So what are some common ones that you see? Yeah, kind of. So I think kind of you're hitting on a key one there is timelines Mm -hmm. um, and trying to deliver to meet certain expectations. Uh, If you might have a tenant on the line and um, they need to be in by a certain date, um, trying to make things work to meet those dates. Um, you know, you might be working with a tenant to develop or change that shell building to meet their needs. And then, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes that's an ongoing change as well. Um, yeah. So, so the other part was um, just the timeline mm-hmm. um, and, and sometimes having a contingency plan um, there as well. Um, so if, if something does go wrong, mm-hmm. how, how can you be proactive and maybe move forward? Uh, we have one project working with a client where, they had two speculative buildings kind of in design at the same time, and one was scheduled to go before the other. But due to complications that have arised, uh, they're now flipping which one they're going to do first um, just so they can keep moving and get to market a little bit faster. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think in that too, it, there's so many things that play a part in a project moving forward. The weather is a huge aspect, especially in Ohio yeah. when it's so unpredictable. Um and we have a full winter. And then even in the tenant interest in the buildings, you're changing. Like if there's some pre-leasing going on with the building, that's you're going to need to get that going. So, yeah. Um, I, yeah, there's just lots of factors that go into when you're building your building and how it's going to be built. So yeah, it's, it's definitely a dynamic process and mm-hmm. it's always changing. Um, and, you know, it's always just kind of continually solving problems through the process. Yeah. Problem solving. I love it. So if you're able to share, what has been your favorite building to design? Yeah, that's a, that's a tough question. <laughs> uh, I've, I've got two of them that I've kind of like really enjoyed working on. So um, one of them is on the restaurant side, and it was uh, for Velvet Taco down in Houston. And it was uh, a little bit of a challenging project that, that happened right before the pandemic hit. But it was a renovation of an old jack-in-the-box and as we started kind of getting into the project, we we're trying to reuse what we could. But I think at the end of the day, we had the four perimeter walls left standing and everything else was gutted throughout the space. Mm-hmm. Um, but just the end product turned out really cool. Just trying to use what we could. But, um, you know, the, the building was it was a great building at the end. But uh, just there was a lot of challenges that came up through the project. Um, that just kind of had to be handled as they came up and just kind of working through that with the contractor. But, uh, yeah, the solution at the end was, was great. And I think everyone was really happy with that at the end of the day. Um, and the other building is one that I'm currently working on right now. It's for, uh, ADB Safegate, which is over in Gahanna. Okay. And, uh, 
So it's a 125,000 square foot warehouse building that has a 50,000 square foot three-story office component on the front end of it. And um, this, that office space is really kind of a showcase for them of what they do um, uh, offering for their products. So it's, it's been a fun process to work with them and, and really help them develop this and make it kind of a showcase piece um, f- for them. That's awesome. Um, so hearing those two um, kind of in contrast, do you – so do you like ones that are kind of more complicated <laughs> and more – like there's more to it almost than well, – I mean, there, there's always something nice about having a project that goes smoothly. That's true. But, uh, yes. you know, I, I think we get really frustrated sometimes with the complicated projects. But, uh, you know, I think sometimes it's a little bit more fun having yeah. those challenges to kind of work through. And uh, as long as it turns out okay in right. the end and yeah. everyone's happy, you know, creates you know, a good pro- end product. Um, you know, I think those are almost a little bit more enjoyable sometimes mm-hmm. than – those slam dunks, but obviously mm-hmm. those are yeah. nice to those, have. You got to have a slam dunk every once in a <laughs> yeah. while. Yeah. And I almost made a basketball joke. I was going to say then the half court shots, you're like taking a risk, but it's more awesome if you make it, um, which was the complicated ones, if that yep. didn't make sense to people. <laughs> but it's more satisfying probably yeah, when you come across those challenges and have, have been able to combat them and uh, move forward and it turns out successful. So, yeah. So, with all that said, what advice do you have for the developing developers of the world? All right. So I, I think there's, a, there's an African proverb that I think uh, explains this pretty well. And it says, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. Um, and really, you know, I think to me that means um, building your business on partnerships. Um, strong partnerships help you build strong relationships, a shared understanding of the process and also provide a collective focus um, to help move forward, not just on a single project, but multiple projects. Um, you know, we, we try to work with clients on partnerships as well as on our consultant side. Um, and we feel when we have those projects tend to go much smoother. And when we hit those difficult projects, it, it it's not as bad as it could be mm-hmm. <laughs> at the end of the day. Yeah. And when you have a team of people on your side, it's much easier to face those challenges. Yeah, sure. you're working together. Um, things aren't as adversarial uh, at that point, which uh, obviously when it's a stressful situation helps bring that stress down just a notch um, mm-hmm. and help kind of people remain calm and really just work through the solution instead of just starting to maybe point fingers and saying, well, who's going to pay for this and who's going to fix this? It's like, okay, well, how are we going to get through this? How are we going to make this better? Um, and continue on. Mm-hmm. I think that's huge for everyone to know because you need a team. So um, I love that. So last question, um, what is your favorite way to spend your time outside of the office, outside of your day-to-day job? Well, uh, I, I tend to get myself in trouble here because <laughs> I have a lot of different interests. But Yeah, uh, like your uh, pilot, so <laughs> piloting license. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. So I had to take a vaccine for a little while here mm-hmm. because I do have three Three kids, so uh, right now it's a lot of family time, but mm-hmm. uh, uh, my son does travel baseball, the two girls do dance, um, and there's also all sorts of other activities in there as mm-hmm. well. So, um, you know, so it's a lot of, lot of family activities. Uh, we, we do enjoy being outside, so uh, a bit of camping, so we try to go camping at least once every year, if not a couple times. 
Um, but also I like to just be uh, hands-on. Um, I like to tinker around with different things. Mm-hmm. Um, and and so um, I've built my own CNC machine. I've built my own CO2 laser. And so I just like – I of... totally know what that means. <laughs> so <laughs> what, so, what are both of those so, things? So um, the CNC machine, so I, I do a lot of woodworking as okay. well. So I um, use it for um, just engraving things, cutting different things out. Um, wow. the, the laser again can be used for, um, laser engraving things that I've made, um, in the, in my workshop and kind of personalizing them. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's just something that kind of just take my mind off of things and yeah. just kind of have some fun and be another, another creative outlet for me. That's really cool. And I hope no one is like, that's really stupid that she didn't know what that was. <laughs> it might be, I don't know. No, I get that a lot. <laughs> okay, like, well, great. Tell me what that is. <laughs> um, so. that's really cool. Do you, do you ever like sell those items or is it mostly for yeah. your personal um use? So some stuff's kind of for personal use or for friends and family but mm-hmm. uh occasionally i get ambitious and and sell things um uh, I, I got a little bit uh ahead of myself one year and did some customized cedar planters and i think i ended up selling about 500 of those wow so. Um, I think my wife would be happy if we didn't have uh, any more cedar plants in our front yard for a while. <laughs> oh, my goodness. That's insane. You're going to, like, need a break from your time yeah. off of work. <laughs> yeah. That, that one was a little bit too much. So yeah. They were a pretty big hit. But, wow. uh, well, yeah, awesome. I'd be happy that I didn't have to build another one of those for a little while. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Um, well, that's really cool. It sounds like you are just a well-rounded guy. And um, I am – very appreciative of you being here today and sharing about the building design process. And hopefully everyone learned a lot. Absolutely. I appreciate you having me here today.